You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. You know what cheers me up? What? Rolled up aces over king. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. The House of Cards. Today, the game is different. With author and professional poker player Ashley Adams. Okay, you have some skill. Hello, listeners. Welcome to House of Cards. I'm Ashley Adams, your host of the show. We have a a very interesting show, a great show. That's the product of uh, a trip that I had been planning for a long time. And in the process of planning my trip, which was to India, I got the name of a guy from India who uh, helped me plan everything out by giving me contacts in the part of India where I was going, Goa. His name is Bharat Agarwala. He's going to talk about the Indian poker scene, and he's the director of the Indian Poker Tour, and we'll talk about that. So I'm very excited about him. And then we have a true poker celebrity is generally known as the first lady of poker, but, you know, in a way that's insulting because she's much more than the first lady of poker. She's one of the first one or two people of poker. It's Linda Johnson who runs Poker Player Cruises, runs a number of poker organizations, a tournament director, a great player, an amazing writer, a publisher, um, the voice of poker, and somebody who is a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, who uh, I think of first or second when I think of great people in the poker world. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you. Take care. We'll be right back. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. Hi, listeners. This is Ashley Adams, professional poker player, author, and host of House of Cards. You can all, wherever you're listening to our show, we're now blanketing the United States. You can send in your questions or comments about the show to info at houseofcardsradio.com. And you can also get our tweets on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash hocradio. Info at houseofcardsradio.com and www.twitter.com slash hocradio. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com.
You're listening to the House of Cards. Well, why don't you get back there and play some cards? Are we going to play poker? Can when I, when I have a when I have a big decision? I would love to watch you play cards. I would love to actually play the game. Welcome back, listeners. This is Ashley Adams. You're listening to House of Cards. We are joined by a very special guest who is very far away from our studios. We're talking to the director and CEO of the India Poker Series, which is a poker tournament series in India. His name is Bharat Agarwala, and he joins us from his home in India. Bharat, welcome to the show. Hi, Ashley. Um, tell us just a little bit about you so our listeners know how it is you came to be the director and CEO of the India Poker Series. Well, it all began about 20 years back. That's when I learned how to play poker by a friend of, from a friend of mine who had just returned from the United States after doing his graduation. And uh, I found a vacuum in India for about 17 years after that. There were no, there was very few people who used to play poker in India, and uh, India being a large country, it was difficult for people to, you know, get together under one roof and then try to play a home game. And there were no casinos in India at that time. So where were and, you living 20 years ago when you learned, and what kind of poker did you play 20 years ago? Uh, basically, uh, I've always lived in Calcutta, which is uh, in the eastern part of uh, India. And we used to play the five-card stud and the Omaha high-low at that time. Huh, interesting. We, we, we never played the, the Texas Hold'em, which is the most popular form uh, of poker in current times. I see. Where did the people you played with learn how to play poker if poker was not a regular game? You learned from somebody from the United States. Where did they learn? Uh, they were also students who had just come back from the States, uh, and they had played in their colleges over there or their universities. Very interesting. So then tell me about how poker took off in India and what part you have played in its, uh, in its boom years, the last three years. Uh, around about three years back, we saw that uh, Facebook made the youngsters learn poker because of the Facebook poker, as we call it. And just about at that time, uh, the casinos in uh, Goa, which had just started about two years before that, introduced you know a couple of these poker tables over there, which used to be mostly empty uh, in those times. And uh, then after that, as the students uh, learned poker, they made, uh, while playing Facebook poker, they, they started playing amongst themselves at, you know, in the home games at the lowest of uh, low stakes. And that's when I thought that, you know, these people all across the country have, uh, will experience the same problem as I did, that uh, I never got to play the home games or, or anywhere uh, because uh, there were not too many people playing. So that's when I conceptualized the idea of the India Poker Series about three years back that uh, with, the, with the idea that I will try to get everybody under one roof, one umbrella. And uh, that's how it all began. I see. And so I, 
So what is the India Poker Series, and how is it uh, different from any other kind of poker tournament? Uh, India Poker Series is basically a tournament series wherein we try to keep in the buy-ins uh, low so that uh, you know more people can participate, especially the youngsters. We want to encourage the students uh, to come participate, get a first-time experience of live poker, in a in a tournament series uh, which is held you know at the best casino of india that is casino royale and uh, basically uh, that is how you know the entire uh, idea the seed came about 3 years back by the time i could uh, you know get it live it was in april 2010 only i see how many how many specific tournaments are covered within your series? How many are there throughout the year? Uh, we are having a tournament every alternate month, and uh, each chapter has four tournaments. So we are holding uh, 24 tournaments, uh, if you see 2011. And the next year, we are trying to take it up and make it 32. That means eight tournaments at eight chapters in a year and each chapter having four tournaments i see do they all feed towards one grand tournament at the end or do they each function separately uh they each one functions uh, separately although in 2011 we had a concept in which we were trying to feed in uh, the main event of the year with the help of the uh, smaller tournaments which we were having uh, across the year I see. So in the United States, we have a skewed view, I found, of the typical Indian family. In the United States, at least in the areas that I've grown up, we think that everybody, with the maybe one or two exceptions, everybody in India is impoverished. They basically have no money at all. Everybody's poor. Uh, now, I guess maybe we feel there are some people that have low-paying jobs because when you call Microsoft or a lot of companies, you get connected to somebody we imagine makes a dollar or $2 a day in India. These are all incorrect stereotypes. So even even a small buy-in tournament, somebody has to have some money. So correct our stereotype about the typical Indian so that we don't walk around thinking everybody is impoverished. Uh, the buy-ins uh, of our tournaments are ranging from $100 uh, to, say, $500. And uh, the, in fact, the $100 tournament is a rebuy tournament. So effectively, it works out uh, on an average to $200 to $300. So we don't have any tournament which is lower than uh, $200 uh, buy-in. And in fact, just next week, we have a tournament which would be having a $1,000 buy-in. So in the United States, we'd say, well, who could possibly afford such a large sum of money in, in India? Because we think everybody's living on the street in poverty. Explain how that's not the case. <laughs> uh, that is not the case uh, in the sense that, you know, the... Uh, pr probably the image which uh, is uh, floating around about India is slightly outdated <laughs> with uh, 
with uh, you know the new age technologies coming in a uh, lot of uh, jobs have been generated uh, these uh, tech companies have generated a lot of jobs and uh, there are people who can definitely afford uh, you know the buyins of the range which we are uh, offering them that is between 100 200 dollars going all the way up to 1000 dollars and uh, no i don't uh, feel that you know there are dearth of uh, there is a dearth of people uh, who can afford these kind of buyins i think uh, i think that's certainly true from what i saw i just got back as you know from uh, visiting goa where my daughter yeah. was uh, and i mm-hmm. got to play at the casino royale and uh, met many many players who had plenty of money i mean they were the players i met were pretty bad and they would buy in for 2 or 4 or 600 and lose it very quickly to the other players who were good but that's just mm-hmm. like here i mean you have bad players and good players all right i'm going to have to cut you off here for a commercial break but we want to come back and continue this discussion so hold on and we'll be right back Great moments in history. In 1591, Sir Walter Raleigh was imprisoned in the Tower of London for insulting Queen Elizabeth the First. I too can command the wind, sir. I have a hurricane in me that will strip Spain bare if you dare to try me. Well, I'd love to stay in the chair, but you're a total bitch. In June 2008, House of Cards began podcasting. Go to HouseOfCardsRadio.com and click on the podcast button for all recent show downloads. What's the big deal at Seneca Gaming and Entertainment? Live action poker. Endless chances to win. Guaranteed prize pool. Tournament daily events. A bad beat jackpot. Omaha stud and everyone's favorite Texas Hold'em. And thousands of dollars in guaranteed tournament action. Now that's a big deal. Exciting Vegas style poker. Just off exit 20 on I-86 in Salamanca, New York, across from McDonald's. Online at senecapoker.com. Seneca Gaming and Entertainment. Your new destination for a better game. This is House of Cards Radio with Ashley Adams. All right, this is my show and it's a serious intellectual hour of discussion and I want to keep it that way. All right, in 3, 2, 1. Jacqueline. Welcome back, listeners. We are continuing a conversation with Bharat Agarwala. I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about poker outside of the Casino Royale. Casino Royale was very nice, a big boat in the middle of the harbor. Um, mm-hmm. But but if I were to visit, let's say I went to Delhi or I went to Mumbai or your city of Calcutta, um, uh-huh. would I be able to find a game? or is it so illegal that you can't even find a game if you visited those cities uh as far as the legal structure goes true you're not allowed to you're not permitted legally to play uh in a, any other venue other than a licensed casino but there are house games going around in every city including calcutta delhi bombay and even uh, the smaller cities and it's even catching up in the larger towns and in fact uh, some of these uh, cities and towns 
have uh, raked games going on, which is actually the illegal part of it. The home games are fine. If you're playing in somebody's house, it's quite fine. I see. So, so if I came to your town, if I came to your city, to Calcutta, mm-hmm. and I'm a, let's say I'm an American businessman or I'm even a student traveling around the world and I'm spending a week or two in India, what would I mm-hmm. do to find some poker? Uh, the best way to find some poker is uh, to first get connected to somebody who is in the regular circuit of that city and then ask him to put you on to one of the home games or the raked games. The other option would be try to, would be to, try to locate uh, a home game or a raked game through Facebook because social networking is, ah, yes, uh, yes. which is the best way to locate a game. What a good idea. Okay. Is it possible that in the next year or two, there will be other places other than Goa and, I guess, Sikkim up in the northeast part of the country near Bhutan also has the beginning of legal poker casinos? Is it possible that other areas will legalize casinos or at least poker uh, in the next year or two? I am optimistic that uh, in the future... Uh, other states would permit. India is basically divided into a lot of states, and each state has its own uh, gambling law. So I am optimistic that in the near future uh, and medium term, we should gradually see more states opening up uh, to the idea of casinos because it's going to generate tourism, it's going to generate jobs. So I see no reason why uh, the states would not open up uh, to more casinos. But there's nothing on the drawing board right now that's about to become legal in Delhi or Mumbai or Calcutta or any place else that you know of, is there? Uh, we keep hearing these stories once in a while, but nothing emerges. So we really don't get to know whether you know anything is actually emerging or not unless somebody is in the center of everything and he is able to pass on some information. I see. But... Just speculative uh, news comes in. (laughs) Well, it's true here, too. We just, after many years, we just legalized casinos in Massachusetts. But uh, I don't know when I'll see my first legal poker game here because it takes a while for casinos to be be built and for licenses to be granted. We have a couple Mm -hmm. of minutes more. I I wanted to just quickly ask you about uh, people who play on the internet is internet poker like at poker stars or any of the other sites is it popular there or not people uh, definitely i keep hearing are playing on poker stars uh, they, they play uh, the cash games on uh, the ring games on poker stars and also the tournaments they are multi-tabling uh, I think they are also playing on a couple of more sites like Triple Eight, and yeah, there are a couple of more sites which people are playing. But I am uh, basically a live uh, game player, and I have basically almost never played uh, online. Okay, I I understand. I was the same way. Unfortunately, I have some money that's still trapped on one of those sites that closed and took my money. But uh, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to play too much. On the internet, mm-hmm. um, are you planning any trips uh, to the United States to play poker or to do anything else, or do you think you'll be staying in India for the near future? Uh, 
I do wish to have a experience of the WSOP, which probably I will try to have in the forthcoming year, just to get an idea of you know how uh, international tournaments are held. I've been to Macau to see them. Uh, we had the APT very recently. Uh, that was the first international tournament to be held in India. That to win Casino Royal Goa, and uh, I want to have my experience at the WSOP. And then, uh, yeah, gradually I do want to move further and forward from India into, you know, first at the Asia level and then, uh, God willing, probably even uh, at the global level. Well, I got to tell you, if you come to the United States, you were so helpful for me to make my connections to Phil and to Craig at the Casino Royale, and they showed me a very, very nice time. I enjoyed my stay very much and uh, visiting the room. Please let me know when you're coming to Las Vegas for the World Series of Poker, and uh, I would like to fly out there and meet you and introduce you to the people I know in the tournament world out here, Um, because I think they would really enjoy meeting with you, Bharat. Definitely. Right. I would. I'm thanking you in advance for that. <laughs> okay. Well, we we only have a few seconds left. But is there a website that people can go to if they wanted to check out more about the India Poker Series that you're the director and CEO of? Yeah, the website is indiapokerseries.com. Indiapokerseries.com. Well, we'll put it on our website. And for if there may be a few listeners uh, on the internet of. House of Cards Radio, and any who come there that are interested in poker in India, they will be able to visit your website. So thank Mm -hmm. you for joining us, Bharat. I appreciate your time on the show. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, take care. Hey, Jersey, we want to hear from you. Send us an email at info at houseofcardsradio.com or leave a message at our hotline at 609-474-4627. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE16 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE16 at adamandeve.com. This week at Boredom's Books, children's books are on sale. Choose from You're Different and That's Bad. The Boy That Died from Eating All His Vegetables. Dad's New Wife, Robert. Fun four-letter words to know and share. Hammers, screwdrivers, and scissors. The I Can Do It book. A children's guide to hitchhiking. Kathy was so bad, her mom stopped loving her. Curious George and the High Voltage Fence. All cats go to hell. The little sissy who snitched. Some kittens can't fly. That's it. I'm putting you up for adoption. 
option. Grandpa gets a casket. The magic world inside the abandoned refrigerator. Strangers have the best candy. You were an accident. Things rich kids have, but you never will. Your nightmares are real. Eggs, toilet paper, and your school. Daddy drinks because you cry. On sale this week at Fordham's Books. Hey, this is Dave Weishuttle from House of Cards with your House of Cards gaming report for the week of February 27th, 2012. Well, Ohio residents, mark your calendars because the state's first casino is scheduled to open by Memorial Day weekend. The Horseshoe Cleveland Casino will open in the former Higby Department Store in the heart of the city and will employ 1,600 people. The first floor will have 700 slot machines and 30 table games. The second floor will have 1,400 slots and 34 table games. And the top floor will have a VIP lounge and specialty gaming tables. By the way, if the building looks familiar, the Higby department store was featured prominently in the 1983 movie A Christmas Story. The race for the first state to have online gambling may have a new entrant. Last week, an Iowa legislative subcommittee approved Senate Bill 3164, which would legalize online poker within the state. If passed, the bill would limit Internet wagering to poker and any of its variations. And finally, if you expect to win at a casino, make sure you don't have any outstanding arrest warrants. Mateen Johnson just didn't follow that advice. When trying to collect the $2,500 he won playing blackjack at the Parks Casino, it was discovered that he had an outstanding arrest warrant after producing his ID. His excuse for playing at the casino? He planned on turning himself in and using his winnings as bail. Unfortunately for Johnson, his bail is now set at $200,000. Probably shouldn't have stopped playing after winning $2,500. Have any news or tips regarding casinos, gaming, or legislation? Send us an email at newsroom at houseofcardsradio.com and follow House of Cards on Twitter at HOC Radio. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards hotline. Comments about the show? Poker questions? You just want us to know about great places to play or you just got bluffed out of a pot? Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards hotline. Available 24 hours a day. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you consent to having your message played on the air. You're listening to the House of Cards with Ashley Adams. It is with great honor that I present to your host, the man who sold the dragon his fire, stole it back, and sold it again to the crypts. Welcome back, listeners. We, as promised, are here with the woman known as the First Lady of Poker. But as I said, I really think that's an inadequate moniker. She is so much more than just the First Lady. She's one of the most important people, at least, that I've seen in the poker industry. So many different things she's done, from journalist and publisher to tournament director, uh, promoter of poker, great poker champion, having cashed over 60 times in the last 20 years, a uh, great cash game player, a great spokesperson, a great announcer, and uh, I hope she's not blushing too much. This is radio. I guess I don't have to worry about that. Here she is, Linda Johnson. Linda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I, I wish my mother could have heard that introduction. That was quite quite good. Thank you. Well, she can. You can email her the show. But uh, <laughs> okay. your most recent accomplishment is as the 2011 inductee into the Poker Hall of Fame. Can you tell us about the experience from being nominated to the actual induction ceremony? Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. I, I got a call probably two, two and a half weeks before the induction, 
and telling me that I had um, been voted in, which was absolutely, you know, an honor and a thrill. And, you know, who would have thought that somebody who played poker for a living for all these years and then got into the industry side of it, you know, and a woman especially would be voted in to this. So I was thrilled. I was excited. But the problem was I had like um, 24 hours before I was leaving on a two-week cruise. <laughs> so in that time, I had to make arrangements to have a big celebration party uh, on the night of, of November 8th, which was two days after I got home from the cruise. And uh, I decided to cater it myself for 150 people. So I knew I was going to be busy. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I want to thank everybody who voted for me. The public does the nominating. And then from there it goes to the media and to the living uh, members of the Hall of Fame, and I certainly want to thank them too for uh, picking me. It was awesome. Well, it's—I uh, think it's, if anything, a little overdue, and I'm very glad you're in the Hall. When you think about who else is in there, is there anybody you're happiest to stand next to, uh, figuratively speaking, in the Hall that you you're proudest to be compared with? Um, Mike Sexton would be—you know—to me, he is the ultimate awesome guy in our industry he's a player and he's an industry leader and he's got such great vision uh i I love mike sexton he's he is my hero so having him in there and being inducted with barry gold uh i'm sorry barry greenstein who's who's a very good friend of mine that was a thrill too you know so the two of us could stand up there together and have the pictures and do the speeches and Uh, you know i i I loved being inducted with him but you know of all the members of the hall of fame you know I, i do respect them, but Mike Sexton would be my pick as the one who stands out above all others. Okay. Now, our listeners may not know this. This is not just a popularity contest. You have to meet certain criteria, admittedly broad. Can you tell us, do you know what the criteria are to be admitted, other than the process itself, what the criteria are? Sure, sure. Um, You have to have been in the industry for a long time. They do not define the number of years, but it says for a long time you must have stood the test of time. You must have played high-level poker. Um, You can get in if you have done a lot for the industry, if you've made a lot of contributions, even if you don't play high-limit poker. Um, So basically that's the criteria. Well, you meet it on a lot of grounds. I'm wondering, Linda, in light of all the things that you've done, and you've done it, really done it all. You've been a writer. You started and ran a poker magazine of great renown that I won't mention. You, you're welcome to, but um, uh, you run a poker cruise that's enormously successful and very popular. You've been an announcer uh, at major poker tournaments and many things that I haven't mentioned. Is there any one thing or two things that when you think about your contribution, you put those above others? Well, I think for as far as contribution goes, um, certainly running the magazine and and through the magazine, we really helped to expand poker. As far as my own personal accomplishment in my poker life, it would be winning the gold bracelet. You know, I think that is everybody everybody's ultimate uh, goal, and I was able to do that in 97. So that, that made me probably, that was my probably proudest moment. Okay. Um, I love the work that I've done with the PPA. I think that's really important. And um, probably, you know, I'm going to I'm going to change my mind about that. I think the work with the TDA, getting the Tournament Directors Association started, that would probably be even more important than the work through the magazine. Well, I certainly think that the Tournament Directors Association will be the most lasting contribution that regular plo- poker players like me and the people I play with will see, because it's helped to. 
um, establish certain now, I think, fairly well-established rules and procedures that have made the game more professional and more permanent. I, I think that's a great contribution. Um, yeah, thank you. Because, you know, before the TDA, the people who traveled to play in tournaments, there was no standardized rules, and you didn't know ahead of time, you know, whether you were going to have moving blinds or dead blind. Uh, I'm sorry, moving button or dead button. You didn't know how many raises you could have. You know, there were a lot of things that we've been able to standardize. You didn't know how they were going to enforce different rules and penalties and things like that. So I, I think that helped people because now you go into a card room and they say we're TDA and you already understand the rules pretty much um, of that casino. That's right. In fact, people now say TDA rules uh, as a kind of selling point of their tournament to show that they're of the higher quality, not just some local sandlock game. Uh, I want to point out something that you didn't say, but I think a lot of our listeners uh, should know that the gold bracelet that you won in the World Series of Poker uh, was in an open event. It was the Raz Championship. And uh, I, I wonder what you think about, we have talked about this before, Linda, what do you think about segregated events, women's only events, as opposed to saying, well, women can compete on an equal footing and there shouldn't be segregated events? I don't think they have women's tournaments because they can't compete in men's tournaments or in open tournaments. I mean, you know, women have won the bracelet, so it's not for that reason, but I really advocate for them because it's really about the atmosphere during the tournament and the fact that, you know, I play mostly open events, and when I do play with the ladies, it's fun because the topic of conversation is different. It's much more social. It's, it's you know, it's not quite as... Um, quite as cutthroat, and, and I enjoy that. That doesn't mean that some of them don't play that way, but I enjoy being able to talk about things that the ladies talk about. You know, when I'm the only woman at a table, quite often I don't engage in the conversation. I don't care that much about who won the ball game last week or where you're going fishing or hunting or, you know, or the rack on the cocktail waitress. I mean, that kind of stuff doesn't interest me. And so I am left out a lot of times, whereas when I'm with the ladies, I get to have a really good time. So I, I think it's important. I also think some women are intimidated. I got my start in a ladies' event, and I think that a lot of women have gotten their starts that way. In 1980, I played the, the first World Series event that I'd ever participated in. It was a ladies' event, and I had already predetermined that if I did well in that, I would quit my job and move to Las Vegas. And as fate would have it, I came in fifth, I gave my notice, and I moved to Las Vegas. So <laughs> I certainly think that without... Uh, I, th I know I would have found it, but I found it sooner because of the ladies' tournament. Okay, well, fair enough. We've had both sides of that question, and uh, I'm not going to debate it. I think there's a lot to be said for having ladies' tournaments, if only as an entry point that people feel comfortable with. You take the world mm -hmm. as it is, maybe not as it should be. And uh, if it brought you and others into the poker world initially, it's a good thing. So that yeah. being when said... I, when I talk to the ladies, I do, I do tell them, you know, okay, once you've played in the ladies' events and you've gotten comfortable and familiar with how it is to play in a public card room, I certainly encourage them to play in open events. Um, but, you know, some women just aren't ready for it, and some women are ready, and they can compete, and they can beat the pants off of men, but they choose to be in, a, in an environment where it's more to their liking. Well, I guess you could say the same thing about senior events, right? I mean, uh, mm -hmm. now that I'm in the category, I kind of like the idea that there's no 22-year-old uh, uh, super adrenalinated, uh, if that's a word, person uh, outgunning for me. Um, a few other questions, Linda, because there's so much to cover. Um, cruises. 
What's going on in the cruise world? Has the kind of collapse of online poker in the United States affected you at all, or have your cruises been flourishing, or what's going on? Well, we're, we're, we're holding steady with our cruises. We do um, five to six cruises a day. That's at cardplayercruises.com. We just got back from a Wait, 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 wait. Five or six a day? I'm sorry, a year. Gosh, I'm goofy. <laughs> a year. <laughs> okay. Five or six. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, five or six a year. Um, we just did the Hawaii cruise, and then on, in December we're doing the Mexico cruise, and that'll round it out for this year. But they're a lot of fun, and it's mostly recreational players. Our most um, common game is 1-3-No Limit. We usually have four or five of those uh, types of games, 1-3-No Limit. We also have Limit. We're mostly lower limit, though. I think we have one red chip game, um, you know, 10, 20 or higher. And then sometimes we have a 2-5, no limit. But, you know, it's not it's not a lot of pros going. It's people going who want to have a good time, who want a, a very cheap vacation. It's about $100 a day, which, you know, you can't come to Vegas and get your room and your meals and, and your entertainment for $100 a day. And it's a very pleasant atmosphere in the card room. You know, we don't allow any abuse. And uh, people come, and you'll never hear more laughter. In fact, how do I get you on a cruise? You'd love it. Well, um, you'd have to convince my wife, who uh, who is, A, no interest even a tiny bit in poker, mm-hmm. although she loves me very much, and we have a wonderful marriage. Yeah. I'm a very lucky She never woman. has to play poker. No, a but, cruise, you know. Right. I understand cruise. that. But I was going to say, first of all, she has no interest in poker. And second, she is averse to anything having to do with cruising. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought maybe I could get her feet wet on a little cruise to Bermuda or Halifax, Nova Scotia. We live mm-hmm. in the Northeast. She wasn't even interested in that. And, I, you know, maybe sometime, Linda, and I guarantee you this, if we go on a cruise, we will go on your cruise because the people I've okay. talked to that have been on card player cruises love it. And what they stress is they, they say it's a real cruise ship. It's, I mean, there's a misconception oh, yeah. among some. They think, oh, it's only poker. No, it's a no, huge no, no. cruise ship. And there's a, like a poker room on the cruise ship that has regular poker action. Yeah, so and we're, we're going on one ship next year that, you know, it's got 24 restaurants, it's got a merry-go-round, a zip line, a, a, a Broadway theater, a, a miniature golf, and a surf rider, a rock climbing wall, ice skating ring, you name it, this has it. And so, you know, I expect a lot of our players won't even, you know, play that often because there's so much to do on the ship. What's the website for our listeners who want to, to take advantage of this? Cardplayercruises.com. I think and I, let remember. me tell you, you're doing the right thing. You've got your priorities in the right place. If your wife is not into it, I believe me, I would never try and talk you into <laughs> it. No. Uh, well, I got to say, she she has come to the point now of coming sometimes. We always spend Friday night together, and she mm-hmm. will fly out to Las Vegas on a Thursday and stay over Friday night and Saturday, Sunday. We go to California during that time because she's not interested mm-hmm. in hanging out in Las Vegas. Um but, you know, I'm working on her. I'm trying to get her baby steps. I thought maybe a little fishing trip once or something to get her out of the water. But we, you know, I got my priorities right, I think, Absolutely. and the stable marriage. We got a couple minutes left. And I'm wondering this. You have done so much in the poker world. What's next? Is there anything that you're thinking that you still want to do other than just relax? Is there any objective that you still have yet to crack that you're thinking, well, I'd like to do that? Uh, it, not particularly. I want to be able to play more poker. I I have been so busy in the last you know 10 or 12 years with doing other types of things. Um, they all involve poker, but they don't involve me playing poker. So 
I would love to take more poker trips just to play. I also uh, am concentrating on the uh, charitable aspect of poker. Like this weekend, I was in Fort Collins, Colorado, doing a fundraiser. And uh, I, so I, I want to get more more charities involved and more people involved in giving to charities. I think that's a good goal. Do you have any sense? I know you've been involved in lobbying. Before we end, we got about 15, 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Any lobbying going on that can overturn the UIGEA and bring us back online poker in the United States? There's a lot of lobbying going on, and, and I really do believe that um, that it's going to happen. And probably sooner rather than later, I would definitely take an under uh, 18 months bet. But it's possible it might be even you know under three or four months. It's, things are happening. Wow. Yep. Well, I from your lips to God's ears or to the yeah. uh, Nancy Pelosi's ears or something, uh-huh. I wish that could happen and we could play on the Internet. Well, Linda, we want to bring you back again soon, and our show Absolutely. is done, but to. you're a great guest as always. Well, thanks for having me on the air. Thank you for joining us. That was Linda Johnson, First Lady of Poker and the most recent inductee in the Poker Hall of Fame. Stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Deal at Seneca Gaming and Entertainment. Live action poker. Endless chances to win. Guaranteed prize pool. Tournament. Daily events. A bad beat jackpot. Omaha stud and everyone's favorite Texas Hold'em. And thousands of dollars in guaranteed tournament action. Now that's a big deal. Exciting Vegas style poker. Just off exit 20 on I-86 in Salamanca, New York. Across from McDonald's. Online at SenecaPoker.com. Seneca Gaming and Entertainment. Your new destination for a better game. Don't just listen to House of Cards. Now you can be part of the show with the House of Cards hotline. Comments about the show? Poker questions? You just want us to know about great places to play or you just got bluffed out of a pot? Your messages may even be played on the air. Give us a call at 609-474-HOCR. That's 609-474-4627. The House of Cards hotline. Available 24 hours a day. By leaving a message with House of Cards, you consent to having your message played on the air. You're listening to House of Cards on the House of Cards Radio Network. Check us out at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. You're listening to the House of Cards. Join us online at HouseOfCardsRadio.com. In 1949, legendary gambler Nick the Greek Dandelos came to town, squared off against Johnny Moss in a running no-limit poker game that went on for four months. Crowds gathered every day to see if an out-of-towner could beat the best Vegas had. Moss was up $4 million before the Greeks did and said, Mr. Moss, I have to let you go. And that's the way it usually comes out. When you take on Vegas, Vegas wins. That new bumper, uh, but I think, I think that that did they get the history wrong? I or? think it's in dispute because we had a guest on this yeah. show. Um, I forget the name of the guy um, who he did a book about Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I remember. It was, an author. <clears throat> it was like a James McManus Cowboys full 
like mm-hmm. book, and he disputed the whole legend of this big game. He said that there's no contemporaneous reporting on this alleged 40, 45-day poker marathon with Nick the Greek and Johnny Moss. And he said that... Um, but you know what? We had another guest that said it happened. Was it uh, Jim Texas, McManus? Uh, no, there was a, a Texas Johnny, or what was his name, Doug? Or Johnny Hughes. Johnny Hughes, that's it. Yeah, yeah but you know, he was relying on other people's accounts, and uh, there's no contemporaneous record. You'd think that the local newspapers would have something in it since it was done as yeah. a... PR stunt is what it's always reported as. Well, in the bumper, the guy said 1949, so that might be a good place to start if you're researching yeah, the game. Yeah, well, it, it has been researched, and well, in any event. Uh, so, uh, welcome, uh, listeners. We've just been having this lovely conversation. <laughs> I'm Ashley Adams. That's Dave Weishaddle. This is House of Cards. And uh, what do we got this week? Well, I usually ask you about your trips you come back from, you know, whether it be in California or the Midwest, but mm. this is a really interesting I had trip. a little short little stop. Yeah, and uh, just to get you in the mood, we uh, have some uh, mood music. You got to lift it up, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting in the mood now. You just came back from India. India, uh, that's right. Yes. Beautic, beautiful, scenic, exotic. Did it constantly sound like this? No. In fact, you know, it's very funny. <laughs> Um, I was visiting my daughter, uh, who had spent the semester in Delhi, at Delhi University, and also another school. She was enrolled in two different programs, and uh, she enough with the music. Yeah, I know. All it's right, really enough, monotonous. <coughs> she uh, went on vacation. The semester ends relatively early compared to U.S. schools. It ends in uh, November, so she's traveling around the country, and we arranged to meet in what at the time I thought was the only place in India that allows for legalized poker, a a state called Goa. Goa is a former Portuguese colony on the western coast about uh, an eight-hour drive south of Mumbai, formerly called Bombay, but Mumbai is the current Mm -hmm. name. And we met in Goa, and uh, I spent five days there. And uh, it's an amazing place. Anybody who's never been to India including myself, I I could not imagine what it was really like. It's not a place that I frankly would recommend as a tourist destination for the typical American tourist. It's uh, So if your daughter wasn't there, there's no way you'd be going to go. Well, no, 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 <laughs> because not having gone okay, yeah, and not knowing what it was like and knowing that they had poker, I may very well have gone. But now that I've been, even though it was for a short period, even though it was in a very uh, unusual part of the country, it's not typical of India. In fact, this is the wealthiest state, and it's not nearly uh, as crowded or bustling or poor as Delhi or Mumbai or Calcutta, uh, which I learned is pronounced Calcutta, not Calcutta, which is the way oh, I always wow. thought it was pronounced. <laughs> um, but it's nothing like those places. Even so, having been there, I have really no desire to go back to India, although, man, is it an interesting place. Uh, Before I talk about the poker, I'll just tell you. Yeah, set the scene for us going up there. um, I arrived at four in the morning. Okay. And from that moment on, it was surreal. My daughter was there looking beautiful and attentive and alert, even though it was four in the morning. Lose Uh, a little weight there or or no? uh, Or she eating well there? She actually... Gained weight because she said that the diet, which I found out is true, the diet of food there is 
quite filled with oil mm-hmm. and uh, carbohydrates. She's not a meat eater, okay. and uh, she kept a vegetarian diet, but there's a lot of stuff that's breaded, um, a lot of sauces that are filled with oil, hmm. a lot of deep-fried stuff and otherwise fried stuff. So she actually said she'd gained weight. She looked terrific. Wow, uh, my, this is my 21-year-old. and uh, But what was surreal... First of all, you arrive at the airport, it's very crowded, even at four in the morning, and as she negotiated for a cab, everything is negotiated. <laughs> you you bargain over everything. I bargained for my haircut price. Uh, she actually did the bargaining, got it down to... Well, you're a union guy. You I know. In, you, you were in heaven. I know. Well, Poker it, and bargaining for everything. There you go. There you go. There you go. I was in negotiating <laughs> heaven. heaven. Uh, <clears throat> she did the bargaining, though, because she was used to it, and she bargained for the uh, cab fare to... Uh, the beach where we were staying, Baga Beach, which is about an hour north of the airport. And then we got into a cab. And from there on, until we arrived, it was like something out of uh, some surrealist movie. And here's what I mean. First of all, the landscape there is completely different from what we're used to here in really any part of the United States, but especially the Northeast. It is full, lush jungle. Uh, tropics. So the roads are lined with palm trees and thick vines and uh, leaves of every kind, big plants and overgrown. And you can imagine, you know, uh, pythons snaking through. <laughs> I mean, that's, you can imagine, you don't see that, but that's the kind of uh, landscape you see. And interspersed in this lush, verdant greenery are many, 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 many storefronts, which in this part of the country, at least, are shacks. They are often thatched shacks, and they look like they're falling apart. It's not that they're in disrepair. It's just that their construction is relatively uh, shabby by Western standards. And there are many of them with signs in the traditional Hindi language, which looks to the Western eye like scribbling, not to be disrespectful, but it's very different from Arabic script or Roman script. It's this, uh, even it's it's less recognizable than Hebrew or Arabic even, then followed by English. And often, given the fact that this is a tourist area for Russians, um, Russian. That blew me away. I, I never knew yeah. that was Russian. Thing. Yeah, right, a lot. And so... You're whizzing by, and I'm trying to take in all this scenery, which is blowing my mind at how different it is from what uh, the West is, and I'm trying to absorb it because it's my first time in India. So there's that. At the same time, my daughter, who spent almost half a year in India, is telling me these incredible stories of her adventures. I went here, Daddy, and we did this, and I climbed over here, and then I flew into this town, and this is what's going on there, and then I went to Jaipur, and then I went to Mumbai, and she's filling my ears with this incredibly intoxicating, rich storytelling of what she's done, and it's my daughter, so I'm intent on hearing her. So I've got an eye and two ears on her. I've got an eye on the scenery, And then, because they don't drive the way we drive here, they have a road that's maybe three car lengths of pavement wide. And there are three cars and two motorcycles and two pedestrians across. (laughs) And every time the the driver comes out 
to pass, which is constantly he's passing the cars in front of him. I'm looking at headlights coming the other way. And they, in a, in a last second, avert hitting each other head on. And you think, oh, my God. And then it happens again. And then you go off the road onto the <laughs> shoulder. There's no sidewalk there. They're just on the dirt. And then the other cars are going onto the dirt as the guy's honking his horn and the oncoming traffic is honking. And I have both of my eyes. It's like I have to have four eyes uh, are on the road thinking I'm going to die in a head-on collision. <laughs> and then added to that, added to the incredible scenery, the incredible stories my daughter is telling, the death-defying uh, Joey Chitwood driving stunts <laughs> that are going on in front of me are five to seven foot high Brahmin bulls walking into the road all over the place. Well, they're sacred there, aren't they? Right. Yeah. So cow. You can't. You can't touch you them. You can't touch them, and they're. I mean, this is not like a little backcountry uh, street. This is a major thoroughfare, albeit too narrow for the five vehicles that are across. But people are going 50, 60 miles an hour, and then they're screeching to a halt or swerving wildly to avoid large bulls and other <laughs> cattle with major league horns uh, in the middle of the road. And this is for an hour. Wow. So I arrived uh, just... Uh, after this, I mean, I suppose for people that have done drugs, it's like doing acid or eating mushrooms. It was like a hallucinatory, weird experience <laughs> that I survived. And, and was this normal for your daughter? She said, oh, it's like this all the time? Or Oh, she said, this is nothing. You oh. should see how they drive in Delhi. That's what she said. Wow. Really? And, oh. you know, and she, frankly, is totally nonplussed because she's telling her stories. And I'm feeling a little guilty that I'm not able to give her my full attention. But meanwhile, I'm just, you know, completely distracted. So, see, people are listening to us on the Jersey Turnpike and bitching about the traffic. <laughs> right, right. right. See? They got nothing. Yeah, no problems. So we had a very nice three-and-a-half-day, four-day vacation on the beach. Uh, India is quite a dirty country by Western standards. Uh, but the beach is still very nice, albeit there are lots of uh, dogs. Uh, these are feral dogs. I'd say wild, but that implies they're aggressive. They're totally passive, timid, intimidated dogs playing with each other, not even a little bit aggressive with humans, afraid of humans, running away from us. Um, and on the beach, bulls and cows. <laughs> and, in fact, uh, there was one weird scene I'm going to describe on the radio. Maybe you'll have to edit it out. Um I was walking down the beach with my daughter, and there's one of these somewhat emaciated, timid dogs, you know, the size of a small collie, like a medium-sized collie, and with its front paws on the back of the dog is a very large, black-furred ram, full horns, curved horns on the side of its head, humping this poor dog. I mean, I didn't even know that was possible, let alone... It's like you were in the fifth ring of hell. It was, I mean, it's like Dante's Inferno kind of... It was, kinda, it was no, weird. No, no. It was like... Wow. I forget, who who's that painter from the Jeez. 1400s that does the, those weird scenes uh, from hell? And, oh. Uh, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Del Greco? No, Greco's the other guy. Uh, no. Anyway, <laughs> that guy. It was like out of one of those paintings. These weird, surrealistic scenes. Uh, we had nice hikes, nice walks. We had mediocre food. For me, mediocre or worse. Uh, I didn't get sick until the day that I had scheduled to play poker. That was my last day there. It's <laughs> good I, timing. I went to the city uh, 
I forget the name, Panija, Panit, I forget. It's the major city in Goa, the, the capital of the state. And I dropped my daughter off at the airport at, at 6 a.m. I traveled up to the city. And the way it works is there are these casino boats that are stationed out in the harbor. Fairly large. So there's a casino across the harbor? In the middle of the harbor. Oh, it's like an on, on an they're island boats. kind of thing? Or? They're boats. Okay. So they're in the harbor. Oh, the casinos are the boats. Casino boats. Casino boat. Oh, you, okay. You've heard of a casino boat? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what they are. Casino boats. Not okay. on an island. I thought you not took a on boat the other to side. a casino. Well, okay. Well, I did. They it's are boat casino boat. boats in the water. The only way to get to a casino boat in the harbor is either if you're Jesus, I suppose you can walk <laughs> on water, but otherwise you have to take a boat okay. to the casino boat. Okay. Shuttle boats. They're okay. called. Shuttle boats. You got it? I got it. Now. Okay. And that's what I did. See, you freaked me out with the ram humping the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were freaked out. Um, so I spent the day, I had gotten, somehow I had gotten some bug. So all day long, I, I got a, mot- a hotel room, relatively inexpensive hotel room, where I laid in bed, really sick as a dog, hoping I'd be well <laughs> enough to dog. go home. <laughs> right. Well, See, now I'm getting right. the image again. Okay. <laughs> hoping I'd be well enough to go home, let alone keep my appointment to the casino, but by 6 o'clock p.m., I was feeling better, and uh, I walked from my hotel to the the uh, docking area where the shuttle boats uh, were ready, and they took me out to this casino boat, the Casino Royale, which is the best place for poker. I asked around. They do have poker on the other boats, but this is the premier place for poker. So how many places for poker? There are four or five casino boats that have poker and a few that don't. Um, But this is the one that has it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, poker players like to kind of huddle together in one spot if there are a few places, and that's what they did there. And I went out to the boat, uh, played my poker. They had a 2-4 blind no-limit game, $200 minimum buy-in. $800 $800 maximum buy-in. It's not in dollars. It's in rupees, but I'm not going to bother with the conversion. I met a lot of poker players. I met the poker room manager. I met the owner of the casino. Had a wonderful time. Won a little bit of money, about 50 bucks. Uh, they have a full buffet. I did not eat at all. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, and then I went back. So the poker was good. The country was fascinating. And I don't think I'll go back. <laughs> Well, I got a bunch more questions for you. Well, we'll have to do time. it on the next time. It's a cliffhanger. Uh, right. Uh, That'll end it for the show and for the mailbag segment. Listeners, always nice being on and talking about poker. Good luck to you and good night or good day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.